1: Taking advantage of this deal, getting your hands on what's included in the package is the best way to enhance your performance this year. So go to rotoviz.com and subscribe now.
0: Mahomes has the time, delivers, perfectly downfield, touchdown! Patrick Mahomes with a rope. This one out, touchdown!
2: This time going deep for Beckham Jr hello everyone welcome back to road of his overtime on road of his radio brought to you by blue wire my name is colin kelly you can follow me on twitter at Overtime ireland as always i'm joined by my co-host here on the road of his overtime it is sean siegel sean another weekend unfortunately recording this on tuesday Aaron uh, Rodgers rogers hasn't turned up to training camp so the uh, packers saga continues uh, the less said about it i think the better at this point but still hopeful that uh, things can be resolved but uh, that's me uh, with my hat, my glass uh, three quarters full, I think, at this point. Um, how's things this week, Sean?
1: Good. Continuing to, to move through these drafts, we've got three great shows for people this week. We have Julio Jones on a new team, uh, unfortunately probably knocking down A.J. Brown just a little bit, but folks who have taken the value on Ryan Tannehill have to be pretty excited. That gives him a little bit more upside yeah, lots of lots of best ball, lots of dynasty. We're going to talk about the Rotoviz TriFlex Dynasty League again today. Obviously, we love this format. You know, you have the Super Flex, you have the Tight End Premium, you have the three starting wide receivers. You've got a couple more flexes. And one of the fun things about today's show is that we were asked/slash given permission by one of the other owners in this league that Blair and I recently drafted to discuss his team, his moves kind of what he did, what he should have done differently. And we normally try and stay away from this type of thing a little bit. No one wants to play in league with someone who's then going to criticize them publicly or critique their team, say, oh, they should have done this, they should have done that. Uh, but at the same time, it could be a fun exercise if, if someone is up for it and is actually kind of looking forward to that. Uh, again, we'll, we'll look at this with a lot of humility because one of the things that we see and that we know is that even if you played – Hundreds and hundreds of leagues, which we've done and had pretty good success, which I think that we can say is the case. You don't know what's going to happen in the future. Right. And sometimes approaches that other people take work extremely well, work better than you thought that they would. So, you know, we want to approach this knowing that the things Mm -hmm. that we say uh, might not turn out to be the case. At the same time, this is a good team. So it's not like we're be like, oh, we should have done that differently. Uh, but it's interesting to see the moves that someone else makes, the strategy that someone else has taken. So we'll go through that. And I think this will be fun because I, listeners are, are fairly familiar with how we like to draft at this point. So it'll be cool to go through and look at how another team did it.
2: Yeah, I'm looking forward to this one. And obviously, the Triflex leagues, we have been talking about them uh, quite a bit recently. A new format between Rotoviz and the FFPC. But, um, you know, we've broken down Sean and Blair's team, but we're going to have a look at it here now from another angle. And it can be very uh, valuable uh, if you're looking at getting into some of these leagues or if you're in a different format even seeing how the adp and how the draft grids have shook out over the last you know number of weeks number of months and gives you an idea of if you're attempting to draft in a certain way or trade back um we can go ahead and do that and uh, i've got a lot of messages on twitter uh, private messages some of the emails over to rotavis radio at gmail.com as well asking questions about the triflex leagues and as we've mentioned on shows previously whatever you're looking for for content on Rotavis over time, send them our way and we'll look to implement them. And this is a, a prime example of that. So Sean, um, I'll let you go And You were involved obviously in the draft, but um, I'm going to let you take the uh, initiative as to which way we want to go. Do we want to start with uh, just round one, worker way down? Do we want to look at the team overall? And um, do we want to break down those trades at the same time?
1: Yeah, let's, let's kind of look at how this team developed, because I think that the options that a manager had when they had to make certain decisions really dictate and uh, give a direction for you know how that person is going to go as they move through the rest of the draft to look at it at the end and say oh well, it should have made these changes some of those changes weren't necessarily available now this was cool in terms of going back through and looking at it Blair and I made 13 trades listeners know we had uh, no picks in the first three rounds we had 19 picks in the first 12 rounds uh, a young team, a team that we think can win now, could win in the future. This is a little bit different team, but also a very heavy trade team. So we made 13 trades in during the draft for our team. This one I made 14 trades. And so you're going to get a lot of movement around to sort of make his picks. Now, uh, as I discussed with him during the course of the draft, we had uh, some good banter throughout. Uh, this is someone who's played a lot at FFPC League, so has a, a lot of experience was moving into the dynasty portion of it for the first time. So one of the things that he was asking as well is, you know, this is a team that I would feel very comfortable with in redraft. I think it would win for me. You know, what are the, some of the changes that I may have done or, or that I should have made for dynasty? What are the things that I should have done differently because this is a dynasty format. And we'll look at that a little bit too, but to start off with, he has the one Oh four. You're going to be able to get a stud QB at that point. Also, just right off the bat, makes this trade that essentially ends up being Josh Allen, Waddle, Rondell Moore, and then a 20th round pick for Dobbins, Swift, Komet, and Winston. So uh, essentially what this is, is trading the 208 and the 305 in order to move up to the 103. Now, didn't actually have to pay too much. I think if you look at this within the context of a lot of the other trades that went down, moving up into that range is usually more expensive. So I consider this to be a pretty big win right off the bat. So that gives him a chance to take two of the star quarterbacks. He starts out with Josh Allen and Kyler Murray. Uh, Anytime that you're in a super flex dynasty league and you get to start out with these two guys, then, I mean, you're really set, right? I mean, this team should be competitive for a long time. It's got those high-end scores at the quarterback position even more important than high end scores at the running back position again in this particular format. So uh, that's a huge win. And right off the bat looks like one of the best teams. The second thing Colin, he does here is he trades the 608 for the 308 and it gives up a first round pick. Now, one of the things that happens, you know, once you trade your second, third round pick in order to get up and get that second QB, you don't have a lot of early picks here. So you're looking to make some moves. He selects Stephon Diggs. I think that Diggs and Tyreek Hill, for any sort of dynasty teams that are trying to win in year one, those are really the top two guys. Now, they're not necessarily our top two guys for the long term, but for win-now teams, those are the two guys that you have to be looking at, again, with that quarterback situation in Green Bay that you referenced. I like Diggs here. That's, you know, at the end of the third round, that's a fantastic value. But looking at at what the give-up is there, Chase Claypool goes in that spot later on. You've traded away a future first-round pick. You're already set with those two QBs, and now you have Diggs. And so you're thinking, yourself, okay, my first-round pick is going to be in the second half of round one. But as we've discussed in Superflex, the entire first round is fairly valuable. Now, I think this is market value for this pick, and I love Diggs what are your thoughts on paying a future first rounder to essentially uh, only move up three rounds, you know, but within the context of the fact that these three rounds are very valuable rounds when you're trying to make a
2: trade? Yeah, they're very valuable. And we, you know, as we talked about with your team, there'll be some similarities, but there's also going to be a couple of these that are obviously very different because I really do like if you're going to be aggressive and go and get that second stud quarterback, that really is going to set you up for success. But again we've been looking at moving back in that first round and you know picking up some value and still being able to get you know maybe maybe not the real top end but the the level just below that of the quarterback position but i did really like that trade for the value that he got it at it seemed to be uh, a little bit reduced from what we would normally see you know the, the asking price there moving up then obviously we both like stefan diggs but giving up that future force might be where you mentioned that mindset of being uh you know used to maybe the ffpc for season long leagues or best ball leagues and maybe when we get in and we maybe don't value that first round pick as much as we could um i think that i would be probably holding off on that unless i was getting into the second round um a little bit but again i I like the aggressive nature of going and getting the guys that you want but i think i would i would have stood firm with where i was um because as we've seen with your team that fourth through 10th round range there's a, a huge amount of value to be had there so stay in place at that uh at that sixth round pick i think we could still and as you mentioned getting Claypool there i think could have been the better value
1: yeah and one of the things that we do see here is that digs has fallen a little bit so that's a good value on Digs. so it's a little bit more than the three rounds in terms of what the adp actually suggests for this but that's maybe the first move where it's not a bad move i think it could Definitely pan out right away, but it's the first move where we're looking at it and thinking, okay, there's a risk there. I mean, that's that's not a home run even with Digs. If that pick is used on someone other than Digs, then I think it becomes even a much more clear situation where not making the trade would have been the right way. But but who you pick does matter, right? So I, I love Digs there. The next move is a trade, really moving up almost a, a full round again from round from late in round four to early to late in round three and selecting Devonte adams the pick later on becomes Chark, the one where he has to move down and he gives up uh, michael thomas rondell moore a future third round pick now moore went super early so one of the things i'm kind of giving as we go through this we'd like to do to, to put player values onto the pick values so people have a feel for that Moore went about three rounds ahead of adp in this draft so uh, keep that in mind as you're thinking about it now Three rounds above ADP, that's about where I have more value. Actually, I have more value even ahead of that. So three rounds at ADP I don't think is actually incorrect, uh, but it is earlier in this draft when you're kind of thinking about these spots. A future three, not nearly as big a deal as a future one. I like this because I, I would much rather have Devontae Adams than Michael Thomas, even with the situation. I mean – Aaron Rodgers could come back, Drew Brees is not going to. Right. <laughs> so I think that's a, a fairly good move. And especially with the fact that, you know, when you have to move down a little bit and what you get is DJ Chark, then you know, we have to be happy with that as well. One of the things to keep in mind though, as we move out of all of these future picks, that because this is a situation where there is a cut down, there will be veteran players in the future rookie draft. Uh And again, with the superflex, moving the values down, that a future three is something that does still have some value.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: The next move we have here is a trade where we move from the middle of round five into the end of round four. And for that, he has to move back around and a half in that seven, eight round range. Again, this is one where because of the player selected, I like this quite a bit. He ends up getting Terry McLaurin. call I know this is one of your favorite guys. And then with the move back, that ends up being the spot for Debo Samuel. Now, we made a trade with him later on, and we were actually the team that picked Debo. But the guys who went on the other spots, Mark Andrews and Trey Sermon, uh, Sermon could be a superstar. He could be a, a completely wasted pick, a massive range of outcomes for that one. Mark Andrews, a fantastic fit, I think, for this format Although there will definitely be some people who tell you that because of the tight end premium, yeah, you you have to have tight ends. You need to have elite tight ends if you want to win FFPC, Dynasty. Maybe Andrews isn't the guy for that, although he's going to be a high-scoring tight end for you. How do you like this move? Is McLaurin enough of a star to sort of knock down what you're going to get at tight end?
2: I think so. Uh, the one thing that's interesting here is, and I know we've talked and we've talked about Brant and Ayuk. We'll be talking about him in a moment again, and how much we like him. But um, I think Debo Samuel has almost been overlooked as well. Like I, I would rather have Ayuk over. Uh, Debo Samuel but I I think that he's still a really really good young wide receiver to have on your roster so I like the pairing of him and McLaurin and I think McLaurin with everything that's going on with Washington um, I think he's in a much better situation now than he would have been 12 months ago or even 24 months ago so uh, I really like that pick. Andrews is very interesting because this time last year we were all in on Andrews and that Baltimore Ravens offense really stank the place up compared to what it had done the previous year when um you know they had just a, a phenomenal season They that MVP quarterback and lamar jackson now we're in a situation where we're kind of discounting a lot of the the parts of that offense and not being as excited about uh, mark andrews this year and i i still think there's an upside to be had there um so i i really like having him in the ffpc formats you mentioned sermon could be worth very very little in a very short space of time or could have that value go through the roof but As much as I would like to have a tight end in the FFPC and as much as I think Andrews is still in a good enough spot with the Ravens, I I would much rather the
1: the wide receiver side here. Now the controversial trade, right? Now the exciting, completely roster uh, reconstructing trade where that earlier move for Kyler Murray now gets turned around and Murray is sent Along with a couple of picks that turn into Terrace Marshall and Deami Brown, and in return, he gets picks that become Joe Mixon, Brandon Ayuk, Chris Carson, and an entire slate of rookie picks, picks one through seven from 2022. And in order to discuss, that, we're trying not to to look too much at other teams who who haven't asked us to, to participate in this. But one of the reasons why this trade was made and these picks were valued is that the original owner of these picks went all in on an aggressive strategy of moving up and taking a lot of running backs early. And as a result of that, their team doesn't have a lot of depth, doesn't have tight end QBs. And so it could very easily work out. At the same time, there's a, it's a very fragile team, a lot of risk. You know, if anything happens to those running backs, if the quarterbacks who ended up getting drafted, uh, a Ben Roethlisberger and a Jameis Winston, I believe, you know, if those guys don't come through, then these picks look like they'll be toward the top. Now, again, you can get in a lot of trouble assuming that picks are going to be in a certain part of the draft. There are two or three teams that are very clearly playing for the future. And so you know, they, they could sort of intentionally work their way down into those top couple of picks. And then you're like, okay, well, these picks are the, the 103, 104, you know, 204, 304, as opposed to the, you know, 101, 201, 301. That will potentially make a difference depending on how next year's draft play out. Now, we already have a little bit of a sense of what that will look like, but we do know that this final year uh, before that draft is going to change things dramatically. So we don't know exactly what the depth will look like, where the strongest areas will be in that draft. But that does come into play here. And so that gives us a feel for how this team changes. You get a couple of running backs who are going to be win now. Again, Ayuk was uh, on a pick that was subsequently traded. So that he doesn't end up on the team, but gets a good spot for that. You lose Kyler Murray. What are your thoughts here on Murray for the long haul versus being able to really build out a full team? You get those running backs. You have the future picks that you can use on QB if you need to. We're in a format here. And one of the kind of nice things about the Rotoviz Triflex leagues is that you can only take three quarterbacks, right? And so everybody is going to really get a shot at it. Now, we know that not all teams will get three starting QBs, but the fact that you can only take three means that the second and third tier really do tend to drop fairly late. So it, it's harder to get caught out unless you intentionally take crazy risk over and over and over and just simply refuse to draft a QB. <laughs> and so, you know, you're going to be able to fill that Murray slot. But you're not going to be filling him with murray
2: yeah i, I know it's a lot of picks to refuse you know in terms of basically the whole slit for next year but i think making the move up in the you know to get um the quarterbacks the two quarterbacks in the first round i think we're kind of backing out of that strategy a little bit here then from the aggression point of view in terms of you're picking up the 411 the 502 and the 611 in this draft and then you're giving up the 905 and the 1305. So there is a, a quite a bit of movement happening there. But I think the reason you try and do that in the first round is to build those pieces and have that foundation. And you're, you're moving out of it a little bit to have that success then in the future with the 2022 draft. So I, I after making that move in round one, would... M- more than likely, if uh, stuck with Kyler Murray, and when we're talking about, one of those quarterbacks at the very top end off the draft board, you know Josh Allen, Kyler Murray, for example, and they were the two that he went with. I think the advantage of having those is is a lot superior than than having those rookie draft picks next year. But it is it's a challenging one just sh- due to the sheer volume of picks. But I I think I would rather be on the the Murray side on this one.
1: And this is an interesting one for me as well because we were also a little bit in the mix for Kyler Murray or at least it had suggested we had some interest now the trade offer that he came back to me with that he said it would be a uh, you know something that he would be able to take instantly even included quite a bit more value than that and so when that ended up being the trade I was thinking hmm, well you know we, we might have been back in it for you know at that level however it still would have been difficult because it didn't necessarily fit exactly what we wanted to do now one of the things that I talked about in the article and we've talked about this on the show in the past with the actual article for the website came out yesterday. Looking at the trades, looking how to make trades, why we did certain things. 11 of our 13 trades were trades back. We did make a couple of moves up. We made the move up to get Travis Etn. Making a move for someone like Murray was something we would have considered even within the context of the move back strategy. So we want to maintain flexibility, make sure that if there's someone like a Kyler Murray that we can do that. Looking at the seventh trade. The interesting thing here is we do actually make a trade with him. We get all of those rookie picks that we just discussed. We got the pick that we used on Debo Samuel. And he got Miles Sanders and the pick that ended up being Keenan Allen. Now, immediately retraded that. Traded Allen a future R3, a future round 7 for Amari Cooper. So, ends up getting Miles Sanders and Amari Cooper to go along with the other players from that group. I think that he made the right move in terms of making this trade and having the win now approach. I'm not sure that Miles Sanders is the guy I would have taken at the 507. Now you look at the picks immediately after that. David Montgomery, uh, don't like that one. Mike Evans was drafted about around ahead of ADP. So, you know, he's probably not in the mix there. Josh Jacobs, don't like that one. Matthew Stafford, now that you've moved Kyler Murray, maybe Stafford is interesting there. Allen Robinson to a, and then Amari Cooper, his own pick, back around. And then we had a couple of picks of so Devontae Smith, Noah Fant. I think that the picks that, that we made are the guys that I like. And so I probably would have preferred them there. I think that Chris Godwin, someone who perhaps is a little bit more interesting, if Godwin had been the pick instead of Amari Cooper, then you know maybe that would have made the trades balances. So I, I think that the, the picks made or the trade made makes sense. I think that adding Miles Sanders with the other running backs on the team. From a dynasty standpoint, I, I think this is an area into wide receiver. Now, the interesting thing again here is that he immediately capitalizes on this by moving Devontae Adams, who has the Rodgers red flag, moves Miles Sanders, who has some interesting guys behind him now, and is in an offense where maybe they don't dump the ball off to the running back and, and really neutralize most of his value site. Sanders is someone, again, with a very wide range of outcomes where he could jump back into that mix that we currently see with guys like camp Akers and deandre Swift, or it could be somewhere a year from now it has very little value at all he makes the move here gets darren waller back who was originally picked at the 405 and had really fallen at that point waller should be going ahead of the 405 so more of a third round type of value and the pick that becomes kenny galladay so Now we've moved back into a situation where, as opposed to having Sanders, who I think is is not a great use of the overall value, we have Galladay. Galladay, much more a win-now player. Now, I discussed this with him. He thinks that Galladay has a a very wide range of outcomes. I would agree with that, but I think that all of these outcomes on the positive side are from a win-now perspective. Darren Waller, a home run. So I like the move here, and this is another addition with Galladay. We're pointing very much to the 2021 season season. All of those future picks are now gone. Most of his top picks are now gone. And that really informs what happens next where Kyler Murray was traded away. Now he gets two very good values in Ryan Tannehill at the 705, Kirk Cousins at the 903. This was an odd draft where QBs tended to fall. But immediately after these picks, some guys who hadn't fallen were gone. So the value that he got relative to ADP on these two QB picks was excellent. And now, obviously, the Titans also have Julio Jones, so Tannehill becomes even more valuable. This is more like a a fifth-round value in the middle of round seven. I think that you and I would both still prefer to get Murray. At the same time, we like the value that he got for Murray. And so now that you have Tannehill and Cousins to also go with Josh Allen, uh, is this a sort of a three-headed monster that you can really get behind? Or you'd still prefer to have that young QB.
2: Yeah, I'm still not gone on, on Cousins, but at that value, I think it's a, a smart pick. Th- this would kind of fit back into what my strategy would have been at the start of the draft, would have been to take the one superstar quarterback at his original pick, not make the trade up, and then add these two guys in at this point, I think would have been more of the approach I would have took from the, the start of the draft. But as things have played out, this is the, the right move. And I, I really did like the waller uh move prior as well. I think that makes, uh, makes a lot of sense, linking it back to what you mentioned about uh, Miles Sanders and that pick as well.
1: I think the only thing that I would look at here is that Kirk Cousins does have the potential to have his window shut down very quickly. He's had some Uh, very nice seasons last year had both Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen toward the top of the wide receiver leaderboard anyone who can do that is not you know just a guy I mean that's not a simple thing to do for an NFL quarterback at the same time he's had some bad seasons he's got a weaker arm he's getting a little bit older Uh, there was a little bit of scuttlebutt that the Vikings might decide to make a move this season and so again we're looking at that somewhat smaller window If we're really pushing to win now, someone like a Ryan Fitzpatrick goes in the middle of round 12. I think that Fitzpatrick will put up more points in 2021. That would have been another possible way to go there. And then you look at some of the people drafted immediately after Cousins and then you do have Thielen, you have Tyler Boyd, you've got Irv Smith who could use if you like that breakout tight end potential. I think that uh, he's going a little bit early, but for believers in him, that's an option. So some other Potential players there, but the overall structure looking very good at this point. And then we get some of the moves to kind of bolster the win now element of it, where the next trade is one where he loses the pick that becomes Roethlisberger and three late picks, gets the picks that become Drill Henderson, Gainwell, Darrington Evans. Those are three of our guys, especially Henderson and Evans there. We love them from a zero running back type of perspective. The next trade brings him Hines. This is another trade with us, and we use the picks that we got on K.J. Hamler and Tarek Cohen. And so now, Colin, we get into the situation where this is the final roster. We've got Alan Tannehill-Cousins at QB. We have the main running backs as Joe Mixon and Chris Carson with a lot of good value behind them. Uh to offer protection, but also some more upside if things break the right way. You have Hines, you have Henderson, Madison, Evans, Gainwell. Then at wide receiver, a lot of veteran value in Stephon Diggs, Michael Thomas, Kenny Galladay, Amari Cooper, Terry McLaurin, DJ Chark. We talk all the time about this being a start five format and – He's got six guys right there who could be impact players. I think that's the bare minimum that you need, but also those six guys are not uh, the type. I mean, Blair and I have seven to nine potential wide receiver starters. If a little bit of the late guys emerge, we're going to have a real juggernaut at that position, but we don't have the top end guys like this roster has. So if you have six guys from that group, you're going to put up a lot of points. And then at tight end, Waller with Jerry Cook offering some protection. So I really like the way this roster has come together. And then I think my only questions would really be you know, what's the plan for as these guys get older? Because all of the players on this roster. Are going to see their trade value decline. Now, Josh Allen should hold on to his, but when you're drafted at the 103, you know, really all you can do is drop. Now, if all you do is drop into the 107, 108 range, then you're fine. If you drop back into rounds two or three, that's a little bit of a different story. We know these wide receivers are going to hold their value decently, but they're not gonna rise in value. Joe Mixon. A potential riser although the rise is capped by the fact that he's going to be rising into what a lot of people call the age cliff we know it's really more a matter of uh, sort of a a scenario based or contingent situation where once the value falls it really falls in a hurry it's not even necessarily as related to age it's simply the fact that you know you're gonna get injured you no longer have the high-end value your team uses you a little bit less that value can collapse Chris Carson a similar situation And then you look at the tight end again and Waller, someone who is going to see his trade value decline because it almost has to. I mean, he just came off of the perfect tight end season. It's going to be hard to meet that standard. So I like this team for winning in 2021, winning in 2022. If you do that, then you pay off your entry fee. And so you can go uh, enter more leagues. You can get back into it there. My other question would possibly be at the running back position what are your thoughts about adding this running back depth? Now, we know if we're trying to win in 2021 this year that we do have to have two quality starters, Mixon, Carson. Those guys have some red flags. There's no guarantee that they're going to be around. So to have Hines, Henderson, Evans backing them up, someone like an Alexander Madison who could uh, still be a big-time guy if anything happens to Dalvin Cook, you have some options there. But you've used the picks, and again, these picks are not in an extremely valuable area, and they're guys that we love, right? I mean, these these are our preferred players, but there might have been an opportunity to add a little bit more wide receiver depth or to add some guys who really would have increasing trade value. What are your thoughts about where we are now versus where we're going and how the positional balance is here yeah
2: that's my concern is the, the age profile obviously with you know Thomas Golliday, even Cooper and Diggs those and you talk about the you know perpetual reloading or keeping the team in contention we're going to see guys like that lose that value and we're going to see Cook lose whatever value he is remaining uh, but in terms of the running backs I think we could have taken wide receivers with those top end picks and Mixon and Carson and I think what's going to happen with the triflex leagues is I think the wide receiver position will become more valuable as the leagues develop and it's gonna be a case that being able to start five of those wide receivers or really ramp up your wide receiver production is gonna eclipse what's left with those two running back positions. And I think being able to stack that lineup at wide receiver each and every week is gonna be the way to go moving forward. And that's and I know that's our approach and going for the wide receiver maybe over the running back, but with the, the picks invested there, I think we could have went for that approach and maybe address the running back position a little bit later when maybe we get into training camp and people realise that their wide receivers maybe aren't going to have the depth that they need and we could maybe move them for one of those running backs then. But that would just be maybe being picky overall. The, the roster does look to be pretty win now over the next uh, two seasons. But the, the balance you mentioned in terms of we have really filled out it's kind of a flat balance between the running backs and the wide receivers. And I think with the way that we can really ramp up the the amount of wide receivers we're starting here, I think we could uh, put one or two of those into the, the wide receiver position.
1: It's also sort of an interesting mix between the starting running backs and a zero running back approach later. I'm not sure if you need both elements, although, again, If you're trying to win now in Dynasty and you put so much in that direction, you can't take a lot of risks because if the team doesn't win now, then it's a buckle, right? So you have to have that protection at the running back position. I would have loved to see what this roster looked like if he'd stayed with Kyler Murray and gone more with a zero running back approach as opposed to taking both Mixon and Carson, maybe one of those two guys, and then trying to rely on the rest of those picks to fill in that second spot. What do you end up with then in terms of the overall lineup? Now, he doesn't have the volume of wide receivers that a lot of the other managers in this league use. There were a handful of guys who really just went wide receiver, wide receiver, wide receiver, wide receiver, and have a ton of wide receiver depth in addition to the starters. And so it's actually very impressive that he put together this much wide receiver value on a team that also has high-end guys at the other positions, right? So I think that this team is probably in the best position to win this first season. There are a couple of other teams that are close. There are some teams that are built for the long haul that might actually see their window arrive earlier than they're planning. I think that one of the things that can happen when you build a great young team is sometimes that team arrives early. If that happens, then the depth of teams competing you know, for The inaugural title will rise. One of the things that you're really hoping to see when you play for Win Now is that most of the rest of the owners are not. Because the smaller number of teams who are trying to win in the first year, the more that this Win Now approach is extremely effective. I think that the overall roster here is great. I think that the balance between positions is fantastic. I think it's got a ton of upside. The interesting thing here, I think, will be the journey in year two, in year three. Is he able to trade out of some of these wide receivers who may hold their value? Uh, does Joe Mixon have the mega season that's possible? One of the things that's interesting with Mixon, and I talked about this a little bit in some of these uh, high stakes best ball leagues that I'm in, mean, is that Mixon, while he's probably an inferior player to a lot of the guys going in that range, because that Bengals offense, at least we think it's going to be so good <laughs> that I mean, you have the potential for a 15 to 20 touchdown season, right? I mean, you got the potential for a touchdown season similar to what Aaron Jones did a couple of years ago. And it, you know, it doesn't necessarily matter what else you're doing if that's the case. If you're often running into the offensive line and falling down, if you're catching the pass, running 15 yards with no one around you, and then the first person tackles you, All those things actually don't matter, right? Because you still caught a pass and ran for 15 yards. You still ended up scoring the touchdown. The fact that you're slow, don't have a lot of agility. You're not making a lot of guys miss. You're not actually hitting the hole and running to daylight. I mean, Mixon is one of these guys who isn't going to break a lot of tackles in the sense that really turns into something, right? I mean, there may be some churning at the offensive line a little bit like David Montgomery, where, Okay. There are broken tackles, but you're not not actually running anywhere. Um, and there are not going to be these big plays where you're running for 50, 60 yard touchdowns, but the well-rounded element of his profile where he's an okay running back, he's an okay pass catcher, and he's going to be the clear starter. Everything you hear out of Cincinnati is that he is the guy going to have a huge number of touches until he inevitably gets hurt. He's going to score a bunch of touchdowns. If Joe Mixon does that, can you then trade out of him? The, the, the point here with this team is... As we go further, are there guys who can increase in trade value that you could move to kind of expand or extend your window? McLaurin and Shark, I think, are the other really interesting players from that perspective. If Washington's offense with Fitzpatrick blows up, then McLaurin could jump two rounds next season. If the Jaguars with Trevor Lawrence blow up, then DJ Chark could, you know, jump two, three, maybe even three and a half rounds. You can move those guys, get some more value, and then this team could win for four or five years. The top end at wide receiver is going to be difficult for anybody to compete with for a while. And so really how this team ages is the question. I love what he's done here for 2021. I think that uh, even though it's going to be a battle between five or six teams, I would give the slight edge here for the 2021 championship.
2: That was a a lot of fun to run through that roster, Um, it's always interesting just getting to break down and to, to share our thoughts because a couple of thoughts there are a little bit different from each other i suppose um in terms of being a loyal podcast listener i always want to shout out you can get yourself that 10 percent discount to a Rotoviz nfl pass all you have to do is enter the code rv radio 2021 at checkout or go to rotavis.com forward slash podcast for additional information we do have our contest ongoing for the scott fishbowl 11 entry all you have to do is give a retweet off the tweet on my uh, Twitter feed. That's at Overtime Ireland and drop us a five-star review in your favorite podcast app. Thanks to everyone who has dropped a review over the last week. Much, much appreciated. We'll be running that till next Tuesday, I believe on next Tuesday or uh, either next Tuesday or next Thursday show, we'll be announcing the winner of that contest. So thanks again to everyone who has entered so far. That's going to do it for today's edition of the podcast. My name is Colin Kelly. You can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. My co-host is Sean Siegel. Check out all of Sean's great work up on rotoviz.com until we're back on thursday with john daigle of nbc sports edge have a good one thank you for listening to overtime on rotoviz radio please rate and review the rotoviz radio podcast on itunes or your favorite podcast app you can contact us via email at rotovizradio at gmail.com follow us on twitter at rotovizradio. radio and remember you can always support the pod by subscribing to rotoviz with a discount through the rotoviz radio homepage rotoviz.com forward slash podcast